Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey there, my name's Michael Laminato, and this is Race Day at the 2023 Singapore Grand Prix on Pit Pass F1. Pass F1 is brought to you by Evergreen Podcasts. And on today's episode, Carlos Sainz wins a famous Singapore Grand Prix with some very clever, smooth operator defensive tactics to keep Lando Norris in second as a buffer between him and the fast-charging George Russell and Lewis Hamilton. Ferrari's win meant that Red Bull Racing's perfect season is over after 15 rounds. Not that it matters for the championship, of course, with the team still able to wrap up the Constructors' title in just a few days in Japan. And cracks are starting to appear in the Aston Martin project after a dreadful weekend in Singapore. To talk us through the season's long-awaited first non-Red Bull Racing victory, let's hear now from your host, it's Julianne Serasoli. What a race we had in Singapore with the top three separated by 1.2 seconds. A serious contender for the win crashing out in the last lap. And finally, a winner that is not a Red Bull driver for a change. Nothing against them, but it was nice to see the fight between Ferrari, McLaren and Mercedes for the win this time. I guess it's one of those races to show your friends who say, oh, F1 is boring this year and so on. We've been having a very competitive season, bar one team or one driver-team combination. But a very close finish is just part of the story of today. We need to talk about Carlos Sainz and how intelligent he has proven to be once again. And more than that, he was using the right tactics in the end of the most grueling race of the year. I really want to highlight that because I could see firsthand in the media pen the strain in the drivers' faces. So I can only imagine how deep they had to dig to keep focused and to make the right decisions until the end. And you could even sense there was more stress and more emotions than usual after the race. But let me tell you how it all happened first. Carlos Sainz was perfect all weekend. He was confident with the car and that's super important in Singapore. Having translated that into a pole position with Ferrari knowing they had less pace than Mercedes and also less new tires than Russell who was starting second and Hamilton who was starting fifth, then they had Charles Leclerc playing some sort of supporting role for him. Leclerc used his soft tires to overtake Russell at the start and the two Ferraris started to manage the pace from the front. This is a, a Singapore classic because if you have track position, you prefer to do one stop and go slowly so the pack will be compact and nobody tries to do something different. But it's also a Singapore classic that we will have a safety car at some point. Everyone by the Red Bulls who were trying something different with the hearts 
stopped when the first safety car came, but there would be a second one, a virtual safety car, with 18 laps to the end. That would be a perfect timing for Mercedes as they had that new median compound waiting for them. So in the final laps we saw Russell and Hamilton chasing Norris and Sainz as Leclerc had lost ground because of pit lane traffic during his stop. Sainz had been clever with the pace for the whole night in Singapore but his final perfect call was to allow Norris to be on his DRS so he could resist Russell's attack. It worked, and on the last lap, Russell crashed, giving Hamilton the final podium position. Norris said he and Carlos helped each other, so the old car Lando was back for a while. And Lando went on to say how Carlos is technical, smart, and really deserved the win. It was interesting to see Carlos looked a little bit fresher than most of the drivers after the race, so maybe his good fitness helped to keep his brain sharper. But of course, some show more than others, naturally. Hamilton, for example, he looked really, really tired. Even his facial expressions were somewhat different. He had a very big towel underneath his shirt during his interviews, and he was being very hard on himself, saying he shouldn't be on pole, he feels like he's disappointed his fans, and he should be able to extract the maximum the car can give and he couldn't do that in qualifying and that's why he was third during the race. And I was waiting for Verstappen to leave the FIA garage because we don't often see him in that position, not amongst the, the ones who go to the podium. So I, I waited for quite a while, he was the last to leave and I heard he needed all the coke cans available to recover quickly. It was the first proper struggle he had since Brazil 2022, wasn't it? As expected, the car behaved better for them in the race, but a badly timed safety car for them and also the lack of pace meant he was fifth in the end. Before the race, we spoke with Chief Engineer Paul Monaghan, who explained FP3 gave them some hope that they were going in the right direction, so they went too deep in that direction and it proved to be the wrong way. By going too deep into one direction, I suppose it means the choice of lowering the car from FP3 to qualifying, which would explain why they didn't manage to attack the curbs the way Mercedes and mainly Ferrari did. But it would be surprising if we saw the team struggling again in Suzuka. They don't like bumps, and that's something we knew. They don't have a big advantage in this type of corners, shorter corners that we have in Singapore. And they were bad this weekend at curb riding. But how about the TD, many of you might ask. Well, Singapore is not the kind of circuit which would show the result of the TD. Suzuka is. Going back to the post-race struggle, George Russell was absolutely destroyed. He was saying after quality he's feeling better than ever and he left the circuit asking himself if he was a rookie or what. Unacceptable was one of the words he used a lot after crashing out in the last lap and the staff even asked on the radio who has taken George out and Christian Horner said to him himself to which Max replied oh okay. It was one of those moments when concentration fails you in Singapore. 
He arrived at the paddock still wearing his helmet, despite the heat, and he left the interview area with sunglasses. And it was about 11 p.m. And there was even more drama after the race. Alonso said he wouldn't do the TV interviews, uh, but the TV paid for the ride, so it's not really his choice. So then he was told by the FIA he would be summoned to the stewards because of that. So he came back to the media pen and only spoke with a few TVs. And he left saying that these rules about having to speak to all were not followed by everyone, so he wouldn't follow them as well. You didn't have to be an expert in human relations to notice things were not very calm around Aston Martin this weekend. They expected to do better and the car was a handful to drive. Lance Stroll did not take part, of course, after waking up feeling rather rough after his crash. By the way, if you ask the team, they would say the impact was at around 80 G. If you ask the FIA, it was 55 G. But either way, it was a big one. Mike Craig said he woke up feeling as if he had done a very, very hard workout at the gym. But we also heard he was furious after the crash with the car, with the weight bridge, with traffic, with everything. Aston said he is 100% confirmed for the next race in Japan this weekend, but will Red Bull be 100% back as well? It won't be long until we find out. For us, traveling this week was an opportunity to slowly get closer to the Japanese time zone. Or at least this has been my tactic for the last few years, now that Singapore and Japan are together. We traditionally stay on the European time for Singapore as we finish work at around 3 a.m. local time. But I try to sleep at 6 a.m. and then 5 a.m. and then 4 a.m. So it's not that hard when I go to Japan. Well, living and learning experience is everything. I hope you enjoyed the coverage this weekend and I'm sure you enjoyed the race. Bye bye. Thanks very much to Julianne Serasoli, who was in the Marina Bay paddock all weekend, bringing us all of the unexpected action from the Singapore Grand Prix. You'll hear from Julianne again later this season, but for now you can find her on social media. Just check the links in the show description. The Japanese Grand Prix is up later this week, and you can keep up to date with all of the action from Suzuka by subscribing to Pit Pass F1 wherever you get your favourite podcasts. And you can visit us at pitpassmotorsports.com. While you're there, check out the Pit Pass Motorsports blog, powered by Podium Life, featuring racing articles and motorsport industry news. My name's Michael Laminato. Pit Pass F1 is an evergreen podcast. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning or have never even heard of paddle or padel as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, 
you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!